I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. Wisconsin Women in Conservation, which is an organization that really um, advocates for women farmers, women educators, Uh doing whatever that might need to be done to implement some conservation programs on their land. Uh But this was an interesting conference yesterday because it it was for... Women in conservation, yes, but the educators in the oh. field. And we have on the line with us this morning Chris Marion, who is the communications lead for Wisconsin Women's in Conservation. And she's going to tell us a whole lot more about yesterday's conference and where this organization is going. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I am now back on the line. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for bearing with us. This is, oh. this is real-time radio. And so things <laughs> thank, happen. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, oh, thanks. So, Chris, first of all, can you give us a tiny little description of what Wisconsin Women in Conservation is about that organization? Yes, sure. So Wisconsin Women in Conservation is actually a collaborative project between four agriculture nonprofits. So Wisconsin Farmers Union, Marble Seed, uh, Michael Fields Agricultural Institute and Renewing the Countryside. And we are funded by the USDA, by the Natural Resources Conservation Service, to help bring women landowners, farmers, and farm curious folks um, into contact with conservation professionals and programs. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the farm bill right now. One of the things that the federal farm bill does is allocate money to help farmers um, ride out uh, storms, (laughs) ride out hard times, um, but also to implement conservation. And so we're trying to get the women landowners through the door of USDA offices so they can learn about and take advantage of some of these cost share programs and grant programs for conservation. One of the things that, that really struck me about yesterday's uh, meeting, there were over 100 women there, is that these tended to be the educators in conservation. So can you tell me about the, the kind of, of organizations they represented? Yeah, that's a great question. So that um, conference yesterday wasn't necessarily representative of all of the events we do. A lot of our events are really geared toward um, landowners, and farmers, and they're in place on farms or in the communities. But this was a one-time, uh, maybe an annual conference, bring those educators together who are reaching out to women to help them learn about um, taking better care of soil, water, and wildlife. 
So we had the range of people there. Thank you so much for coming. It was quite a miraculous day. Um, what was interesting is it sold out in uh, under a month. I, I think we posted it, and we were already waitlisting people within a couple weeks. So what we realized is that, gosh, people really do want to connect and talk about their experiences in um, conservation education. And these were people from uh, the DNR, from Pheasants Forever, from um, local prairie groups, um, from the Federal Natural Resources Conservation Service, and uh, other agencies that exist both nationally, statewide, and locally to help people um, learn more about conservation. You know, one of the things that I really appreciated at my table was the real breadth of um, experience there. I mean, there were lots of people at the table who've been at this effort for 10, 15, 25 years, three decades. And their interests in uh, educating, you know, farmers, and it's not just women farmers, it's all farmers, um, were based on such wide passions. You know, some were looking at the soil science, you know, where's the bacteria? What are the fungi? What's there? Others were looking at things like how do we protect, one of them called them the almost unlovable animals, the amphibians, <laughs> the snakes, the insects, to make sure that we have that diversity because we have to have it for healthy food and healthy soil. Others were taking a look at um, the watersheds. Now, how do we make sure that there isn't this toxic runoff into our watersheds so that everyone can have good, clean water, not only for their farm use, but for their residential use? So that was just amazing. From where, uh, from how far away did people travel to get to this conference? Well, this was a statewide conference. So I know that there were people there from the Milwaukee area. There were some people from further north in the more... Uh, you know, wooded areas um, versus the agricultural southern part of the state. I think people come to a love of nature and soil and wildlife from, from so many different places um, and experiences. Uh, we have a podcast called the Queen Bee Sessions, and one of the questions we ask every participant is, What's your origin story? Where did you, where did this love of the land and the water come from? And it's amazing. People just have such a range of connections to this work. And I think what's really fun is when you get people in a room and they all start talking about where, where that passion comes from. It's very energizing and electric. And again, I, I just felt like it was a magical, <laughs> magical experience. Again, you know, we had an opportunity because this this uh, conference was so well moderated. We had an opportunity to move from table to table uh, during part of the day, and my gosh, we have such amazingly well educated and skilled people out there to help us kind of take a look at our land and wonder, you know, what can I do or what more can I do to. Um, ensure that I'm preserving water well, that, my, that I can, can integrate cattle with my, 
my efforts to grow trees. I mean, there's so many different kinds of strategies around there. Uh, it, it was really very hopeful for me to see, you know, women who are in their 20s and their 30s and in their 40s who've got a lot of career in front of them in order to help all of us. Ooh, I'm getting some feedback here. I'm getting a lot of buzz. Thank you. Um, Chris, why do you think an organization like the Wisconsin Women in Conservation was needed? Why was it established? Oh, thank you for asking. I, I, I think it's important to talk about why we are targeting women in particular, um, because that question gets asked a fair amount. Um, and of course, we are not in the business of excluding anybody from the conservation space. However, our events, um, other than the educator conference, which was open to everybody, our events are generally women only because our goal is to create a, a safe space for women and those who identify as such to, to come and be honest about their concerns, their challenges, their hopes, their dreams, um, and their insecurities about attempting this work. You know, conservation work is hard. Um, doing a good job with your soil, building your soil, uh, removing invasives from your woods. This is hard work. And um, women are somewhat new to it as a demographic, uh, but, but they're a growing demographic. Women landowners now um, generally own about half of the land in most states, certainly in Iowa, in Wisconsin. We know that 35% of all of the agricultural producers in the state identify as women, that they're the primary operators on 35% of farms. That's a big change from uh, prior to the 2017 census, a, a big jump. And I think there's, there's some things at play here. A, new, a lot of new farmers tend to be women, niche farmers, um, who are coming into the ag space as first-generation farmers, there are a lot of women who have been widowed and have inherited a lot of land and now need to work on their leases with the farmers that, that rent it for production. Um, there, there's, it's a real change, and it's a big opportunity. But we know from the research that was presented yesterday that in the USDA offices, only 10% of the clients who come through the door are women. So there's a real big opportunity to bring in um, people who are controlling land at, to to get them the the resources, the technical assistance, and the cost share funding they might need to realize those uh, conservation dreams on their properties. You know, I just want to take 30 seconds or a minute to kind of look at that one thing that you said um, just a bit ago, which was providing a safe space. You know, a lot of people might hear that phrase and poo-poo it. They think, what do you need a safe space for? Of course you're safe. Um, as a woman who has um, never been really shy about stuff, um, the notion of a safe space, however, does resound true. Very often when you're in a, a room filled with very... Um, experienced people, you're sometimes afraid to ask a question. 
you're sometimes afraid to admit, you know, I don't know what that acronym means. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how long it takes to do this or that. I don't know even where to start. So finding a safe space to me is really uh, a huge attraction to mm-hmm. the kind of approach that's that's used by Wisconsin women in conservation. Certainly it's the type of environment that I foster when I have pasture walks and when I have people visiting the farm. There's no bad question. Um, there is, we, we all start from where we are and uh, you got to encourage people to ask the question so that they can get involved. So you know, hats off to Wisconsin Women in Conservation for having that type of attitude and making this kind of platform available, uh, not only to women, but to but the uh, results are available to men as well. One of the things that I also found very interesting is people were talking about the kinds of services that are offered by so many different kinds of agencies and organizations is that there are Um, some opportunities to begin looking at your own land that are actually provided for free. And Mm -hmm. I I was wondering if you could even just gloss over one or two. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So one of the things that is important to acknowledge is that until the 1970s, women were not really allowed to have checking accounts and and get loans at banks. And that carried over to the federal um, program that helped farmers get access to land. So for a long time, women were were really blocked from the agricultural agency space. And so the reason this feels a bit new and a bit like breaking down barriers is because (laughs) those barriers were up until really pretty recently. Um, And if you grew up farming, um, your dad might have gone into the USDA to talk with the farm service agency agent or the natural resources conservation service agent and done farm walks and chatted about um, the latest research on what... um, what is the best practices for keeping soil healthy or for uh, minimizing erosion? You know, the, the science on that has changed over the years. And so what Wisconsin Women Conservation is funded to do through the Natural Resources Conservation Service is provide people with professionals who can walk on their place with them. And by walk on their place, I mean, like, if you have a couple hundred acres, we have conservation professionals who will walk with you, hear about your struggles and the history of your farm. They'll do their own research, looking at the soil survey and understanding what what your land is from a, a geological perspective. And then they will write up a plan for you so that you can start tackling those issues, but also achieving those dreams that you might have for restoring the landscape. And that's entirely free. And these plans are really fantastic. We've gotten a lot of really great feedback. Um, It's a way of helping women landowners and farmers and even urban gardeners 
look at the space they're working on, analyze it with a professional, and then make a roadmap for where they want to go in the future. Now, that plan doesn't require any kind of signature or commitment on the landowner's part. It is literally a roadmap. But a plan like that can help a landowner access um, federal, state, and local dollars that are allocated toward helping get more conservation practices on the ground. And I will say, now is a great time to get involved because the, this administration's um, support for con conservation and climate smart initiatives in the Inflation Reduction Act has put a lot of money into conservation programs. So now's the time to get involved. If you are out there, if you're a woman who's um, got some land, you're not quite sure how to manage it, now is a great time to reach out to us um, or walk in to your, to your local USDA service center. You can look that up on your county's website and start having a dialogue with a conservation professional about your land. Wow. You know, we still have quite a bit of time left for our, our conversation, but I thought that it might be a good idea to uh, provide at this point. Um, where would people go to find out more about Wisconsin women in conservation and begin to kind of make an inroad into some into finding out what's about what's available? Well, we try to be everywhere. We're trying to reach people wherever they're at. So you can find us on Facebook. Um, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Pinterest. Uh, we have a podcast, and we have a lot of events listed on our website. So our website is at WIWIC.org. We call our organization WIWIC for short because Wisconsin Women in Conservation is kind of a mouthful. But we've got some uh, events coming, coming up near you. Um, Hillsdale, there's a place called the Enchanted Barn. And on May 11th, we are having what we call um, a learning circle event there where there will be conservation professionals, women landowners to share their stories, and then lots of time for people to... Um, talk about their own stories, their own journeys, and ask each other for help. We've, we do a lot of crowdsourcing advice at our events. <laughs> and we'll also do a soil uh, texture demonstration. We do a lot of demonstrations with conservation professionals on soil and um, water quality just to kind of expose people to the more technical aspects of conservation. Then we have another gathering, May 12th in Prescott, that's in Freedom Park, um, and similar thing. It's a it's a learning circle. We're just bringing people together in a literal circle. You probably saw a lot of circles happening yesterday. Yes. <laughs> we have a big value on peer-to-peer -peer learning. Um, that's what we're funded for. That's what we've, we're doing research on, and we shared some of that research yesterday showing that women who have not been brought up in the agricultural space do not necessarily feel comfortable with upfront lecturing um, about conservation because there's a lot of technical aspects. But what women like to do is visit, walk, explore each other's farms, and explore concepts through storytelling. So that's a lot of what we do at our events. That struck me yesterday, too, was how much 
the people in the agencies, in the various associations, are very, very cognizant of uh, adult learning strategies. I mean, this is something mm-hmm. people really look at and and uh, examine thoroughly. You know, how do people learn? Uh, so t- to me, that's a real big takeaway. And it was certainly something that I you know, jotted down in my notebook and will be incorporating in some of the activities on my farm this, this summer. You know, one thing we don't want to do is just throw information at people. We are really interested in getting conservation on the ground. And so we do a survey after every event, and we are changing our events um, month by month to try and suit what we're hearing, uncovering in the surveys about where people are most engaged, where they learn the best. And one of the things we've learned, and you heard this yesterday, Sylvia, was that when people do introductions first, at an event, when, when they're um, brought into a space and invited to talk and share immediately, that promotes the kind of engagement that allows for very ready learning um, and uh, allows people to be very receptive to the technical information um, that is always included in an event like ours. So we, we spend a lot of time talking and listening to each other at these events. And that was a big takeaway for me, uh, to see those kinds of stats up there, uh, you know, in your PowerPoint of what's been discovered about how people learn and how it is that they're more receptive. Yeah, I was very grateful for that because it immediately began to change a couple of the things that I'll be, in, I'll be doing as I uh, conduct pasture walks and uh, herbal tours this summer. Well, I hope I can get to one of your pasture hops or herbal tours. They sound amazing, and I do think that people are hungry for this information, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. women in particular are worried about the future um, of the the planet. They are um, concerned for their children and grandchildren and... um, they want to take action. Mm-hmm. And we hear a lot of desire to do better on the land. And so people are coming out looking for information and for ideas and for creative ways, um, you know, to do the things that they don't, that, that maybe you're not seeing everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, when people think of agriculture, they're thinking of rows of row crops and um, precision uh, application of seeds and fertilizer, and many women, if they're new to the ag space, they don't have access to that kind of equipment. Um, but things like what you're doing on your place, um, there are women who are doing permaculture and providing wildlife habitat on just a few acres. Mm-hmm. We've got urban gardeners who are providing pollinator waste stations in their in their urban garden plots. You know, so we're all coming at this with a lot of energy and intent and love and implementing conservation on all different scales. And that's key, the notion of scale. I would suspect that some people listening to our show today would be thinking, well, I don't have, you know, 5,000 acres. I don't have 300 acres. Well, you got a backyard. If you've Mm -hmm. got an acre, 
guess what? You There's stuff that you can do that uh, will not only be a joy to do, but will be a real benefit to oh. insects, wildlife, and to your soil. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the, the federal federal programs have changed in their thinking about this aspect of scale. When I started on my farm, which is 20 acres, half of it's a wetland, um, I immediately went into the USDA office in my county and, and said, hey, I need help figuring out how to do best <laughs> for this land. Uh, will you come take a walk around with me and tell me what, what's available? And it was basically a hard no. Um, mm. It was only 20 acres. It hadn't been in production because it was a wetland. Um, there were some hay fields, and there was, there was absolutely nothing for me at that time. But now um, you, could just, you could just type in USDA urban agriculture, innovative agriculture, and you're going to get a ton of beautiful um, aspirational information on those federal websites because now the, the USDA is thinking about urban agriculture and um, backyard agriculture and the victory, the victory garden idea where everybody's doing their part. Um, maybe it's not to raise food at this point. Maybe it's to provide habitat mm. for the all-important critters that we need um, and to provide that carbon holding uh, that the planet needs. So there's there's a lot of opportunities. And again, if I if I could just say to your listeners, this is a great time to get involved in conservation efforts. It is a it is a really a golden time for all scales of land stewardship. And if you don't know where to begin, if you don't know where to start, uh, getting onto the Wisconsin Women in Conservation website is a terrific entree. You know, if you don't know how to negotiate the various, um, the alphabet soup of agencies and and organizations, if you're wondering, I don't even know where to begin here, contacting WeWIC, that's the Wisconsin Women in Conservation, is a fantastic way to begin. So can you, Chris, as we're closing out here, can you give us your website again and how people can find out about the Wisconsin Women in Conservation? Yes, WIWIC.org is a great place to start. Right up in the right-hand corner, you can hit a button that says Get Our Newsletter. You can get on our mailing list. We have regional events all over the state, but we also have webinars. So this summer, we we call it Conservation Summer Camp, Camp, and they're lunch webinars that people can access from wherever they're at for free. And this year, our theme is The Critters of Conservation. So we'll be talking about birds in May. We'll be talking about those unhuggable turtles and snakes in June. We'll be talking about bugs and beetles in July. And then finally in August, we'll be talking about creating habitat for bats. All right. Chris, thank you so much for being with us today on Deep Roots Radio. Really appreciate it. It was so much fun to be at the conference yesterday. Love seeing you. Love, love being on the show. Thanks so much. Bye-bye now. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.